Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni. And you're tuned in to DotF the podcast, where we chat and explore all things on integrative medicine. Hey everyone, so for those of you tuning in, today we have an awesome guest, an Ayurvedic practitioner and health coach, Miss Varadakshmi. She's based in Birmingham in the UK, and her daily work is around helping women who suffer from gut health issues, hormonal imbalances, and reproductive health issues. And so, in today's discussion, we're going to talk to her about female reproductive health and try our best to unpack this experience for women. So, welcome to Dr. of the Podcast, Ms. Varalakshmi. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Uh, super excited to share. Um, so, you, you've been practicing for 10 years. Tell us a bit more about the process, about getting qualified as an Ayurvedic practitioner. I studied my degree in um, bachelor's of Ayurvedic medicine and surgery. So just Mm -hmm. like a modern (laughs) conventional medicine where they take five and a half years. And for completing our degree, we have to study all the modern anatomy, physiology, everything, Mm -hmm. along with studying Ayurvedic uh, anatomy, physiology, and the concept books of Ayurveda, like the Charaka Samhita, Sushruta Samhita, and all. Yeah, you don't, you don't hear that it takes five years to, to complete your degree and, and actually treat people in Ayurveda, right? Yeah, so you know, the funny thing is that we study the anatomy, physiology and part, not only books, but we get trained. Like one year of a house surgency contains three months of working in a government hospital. We worked there in different departments, one week, 10 days, each department in the modern medicine hospital doing that internship. So it's not just about studying Ayurveda and doing Ayurveda. So the rest of the nine months, we do the same internship in a government Ayurvedic hospital. And also during the uh, toxicology, and then forensic um, science. We study a third year. We had to go to one month to attend how they do autopsy and then, you know, learning about the poisonous herbs. So we go and then study under a modern doctor to do all that. So yeah, it's very, very detailed and it does cover all the parts that conventional doctor trains through from an mm. Ayurvedic perspective more, but still there, there are bits where we do our part in learning about modern science as well. And I think one of the the misconception of alternative and complementary healthcare practices is that it's uh, it's kind of taken for granted uh, that there are some countries that take this very seriously, especially in India. India having uh, its own department, I think the the Ayush department. I think that that's this common misconception in the West, which is what is the actual background and what practitioners have to be able to practice in. And I think that is a current issue because it varies from one coach to a practitioner to a doctor that that also is very different. It's quite interesting to have your background to be able to to frame it for our listeners as well as we as we move along. For sure, um, which which really brings us to our next point. So in, in our research for hormonal imbalances, we came across many myths around PCOS. And I guess one of the most common myths we found was that PCOS is something that you are inherently born with. Hmm. So do you mind just unpacking that a little bit more for us? Yep. And as you unpack this myth, could you go over what PCOS means? Uh, Just for the listeners who don't 
really know about it. Oh, absolutely. So PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome because syndrome means that it is a group of uh, symptoms and it's not just one condition. PCOS can trigger a multiple level organ associated symptoms like the most common symptoms that we can see in a broad uh, general population is having irregular periods not having periods on once a month or so but they can have anything ranging from 3 months to 6 months so some women can get like 2 months uh, once a period to 3 months a once a period to even having a gap of 6 months even one year of gap okay so that's the main symptom irregular periods does longer periods like extensive period falls into that too you mean like excessive bleeding yeah long like exactly exactly yeah so in my experience and as far as i understand the pcos very rarely it is the case that a women with pcos can suffer with excessive bleeding but it's often the other side of the spectrum where you have less periods means like long mm. gap in awesome. between two periods okay got it yeah so c is a second symptom is to do with the metabolism because pcos is still a, even though it is very common condition that affects women across the globe we are still trying to understand why it is happening and how it affects the women at different stages so far what they understood is that it does affect our metabolism so there is what we called insulin resistance in these women which which means that uh, whenever we are eating food our body releases the insulin and in insulin helps us to convert that food to into glucose so that we can utilize all the cells in the body utilize it but the resistance means that for the women who has this condition they can have a symptom where your body will not react to this insulin anymore that means that whatever the food that you are eating is not going through the proper channel so it's not converting into nourishment or energy but it can go through other pathways like becoming a fat especially in the you know lower abdomen so makes it difficult for them to lose weight you know no nourishment no proper metabolism then end of the day they don't have any energy that is another common symptom that we can see so they can have weight gain as a symptom and there is also other things like to do with the male hormones excessive androgens we all have testosterone in minute doses in our body but in women with pcos have a pattern where they have this in excess amounts that means that male hormone in men you know why they have beard and all these like pimples and rough skin and all we see that right it's a secondary sexual character it's a normal character for men but for us women it is not considered as normal and because of having too much testosterone the women can develop this acne especially on the chin on the back of their neck on the face and uh, unwanted hair that is also you know another character that we commonly see in pcos when you say unwanted hair what do you mean <laughs> because let's let's face it we yeah. are hairy we have you know underarms hair we have so what does yeah. what is too much hair <laughs> okay so when i'm saying unwanted hair the mustache and the beard areas and it is so okay. prominent like you know uh 
like a male characteristic if that makes sense i'm not dividing just a it. bit more yes it is more right. and it can cause this uh, social stigma to the women who suffer with pcos for a normal girl or women without pcos for example if you do threading yeah. or you do waxing exactly yeah? i was going to say exactly yeah? so for them <laughs> yeah. what happens is that even with that the hair growth is too much that within a week or so it will grow back quickly and it will make them look what do you call masculine or yes hmm. masculine yes exactly uh thanks all right <laughs> so yes these Hi. are the common symptoms and coming okay. to the question of the myth that she was talking about whether it's to do with the genetic or not so there are several theories and studies still again this is in a very uh, baby stage of understanding whether pcos is a genetic condition or not but so far the studies show that if a mother has the traits of pcos then the daughter can actually also have uh, a chance of having pcos traits okay again this is not 100% proved to say that you will be born with pcos even if some women who have this genetic traits can can turn out absolutely fine so yeah that is my take on it when it comes to whether it's a myth or fact there's this myth that only people who are obese has pcos, PCOS. Yeah so so it is exactly a myth again coming back to some of these symptoms like any other disease out there even though every disease have like let's say 10 symptoms which are named under that disease it's not a straight shot that everybody with that disease will have all the 10 symptoms not everybody will have insulin resistance and suffer with weight gain some women can have more testosterone and end up with infertility kind of issues and some women even with pcos they turn out to be completely fine with no weight problems or with no metabolism problems and still able to have like two three kids so we have to take each and every case as unique here there are uh, some theories saying that it can be divided into like different types basing on like pill induced pcos where in women who went on this contraceptive pill for a long time can get it and then insulin resistance type and then androgen based but i don't want to go into that deeper all i'm trying to say is it's important for us to acknowledge that even though diseases have common symptoms and we do talk about all these different scenarios not everybody will be same there is a chance that we see more cases of women with pcos being overweight this comes down to not understanding the disease at earlier stage and not able to change their diet and lifestyle yeah that was really insightful and actually you kind of mentioned a bit about our third myth which we we found as a, a really common uh, issue among women and even our own friend circles is that you can't get pregnant if you have pcos so is that is that a myth okay so um personally as well i work with several women who can get pregnant even with pcos some women don't even realize that they have pcos and completely you know lead a normal life so i would say we can call it as a myth because there is a chance of you getting pregnant as long as you change your diet and lifestyle again we keep coming back to the same pattern but yes i would call it a myth how can ayurveda help with that healing part in your experience okay i would advise women whoever are diagnosed with pcos to look at their digestion you know because this is where it helps a lot if you understand your body as not like a single thing like everything in your body is interconnected like 
ಇರ್ತಿತ್ತು ಲುಕ್ ಇಟ್ ವಾಟ್ ಆರ್ ದ ಪ್ಯಾಟರ್ನ್ಸ್ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ ಈಸ್ ಟು ಲುಕ್ ಇಟ್ ಡೈಜೆಷನ್ ಆರ್ ಯು ಹ್ಯಾವಿಂಗ್ ಅ ಗುಡ್ ಬೌಲ್ ಮೂಮೆಂಟ್ ದೆನ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ನಾಟ್ ಹ್ಯಾವಿಂಗ್ ಎ ಗುಡ್ ಬೌಲ್ ಮೂಮೆಂಟ್ ದೆನ್ ಕಮ್ಸ್ ದ ಐಡಿಯಾ ಆಫ್ ವಾಟ್ ಫುಡ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಯು ಸ್ಟ್ರಗಲಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಡೈಜೆಸ್ಟ್ in my experience women with pcos often have gut intolerances or sensitivities we call them like to do with um you know like certain foods like wheat or uh, dairy in some women and maintain a good food diary which is very very powerful tool for anybody with gut health imbalances all you have to do is one week you sit there and write down what you're eating and then how you're feeling afterwards like a remark kind of thing you just note down if you have uh, something like chapati for uh, lunch then have you felt like foggy like low energetic after having or heaviness or feeling like bloating pain in your tummy then it's a clear indication that you are struggling to digest that particular grain yeah so so, so analyzing how you process it what you're processing okay and the emotion yeah. like the, the sensation that you feel after. exactly and then look at your uh, stress patterns in your uh, in your body and how you are dealing with them okay we all have stress and it is part of our life yeah. but how you are dealing with it is an important factor yeah so you need to release whatever that stress you are holding for a long time chronic day to day induced stress so practice more breathing is one such amazing tool that helps all the women i, I would say all the people on this universe uh, to help us uh, mm-hmm. to connect with our body breathing is a great powerful tool um, i would say even a simple sitting closing your eyes and just focusing on your breathing and then and just letting go and uh, things like self journaling and ayurvedic daily rituals like abhyanga would you care to explain to our audience what is abhyanga absolutely abhyanga is application of warm oil on our body it's a very gentle process you don't need to put any pressure on your body but um, i recommend cold pressed unrefined uh, sesame oil or a simple organic sesame oil and apply all over your body it's like the i think best self love ritual you can say mm. because you will feel very nourished and it, it has great health benefits to it and if we were to shift to fertility because most of especially women in the west are taking some form of contraceptive pill or contraceptive method and so this transition from stopping this can you know completely and getting your body ready to be able to conceive what are some of the things you think women can do and and how can uh not only is getting your body ready for that but the whole anxiety part of it or oh, now i need to conceive and i need to be ready it needs to happen so what is your experience in in getting women in through that transition ayurveda beautifully explains that unplanned pregnancies can happen my first son is a unplanned pregnancy it's a it's just an accident you can say no no it's a but, blessing <laughs> yes yeah like blessing in disguise so what ayurveda encourages couples to do is to plan for the pregnancy and prepare for pregnancy at least have 6 months to 1 year of preparation before you uh, actually go into like stop this contraceptive pill and also my few suggestions from my experience and all is that try to stop the pill once you decided to focus on conceiving then maybe 6 months should be an ideal gap if you have no other health problems and all uh if you can stop one year that is also good then 
mentally to prepare you and your husband and uh, looking at the support structure in your family and then comes the part of your sukra arthva is the ovum in ayurveda sukra is the sperm so the health of both of them has to be very good so they need to start eating ojas increasing foods like you know dates iron and then soaked so and peeled might... nuts could you just explain what ojas is because some people might be new to ayurveda yeah new. sorry <laughs> No, no worries. <laughs> so ojas is like uh, in Ayurveda when we are talking about nourishment, digestion, right? When we are eating food, then it gets digested if you have a good digestive fire, and it goes through seven stages. Like the food is turned into seven different tissues or datus, we call them. After this seven tissue systems or organ systems are uh, nourished, it's like a drainage system. You can imagine, like first tissue will be nourished, and whatever the nourishment left goes to second, and so on and so on. And so after the seven tissues are formed, there is this ultimate refined nourishment, which has the part of all the tissues it has nourished. Okay, this essence. Would it be equivalent of saying? in the western side kind of the the ultimate refined nutrients that are ready after your digestion and and how they go to your body and yes um ojas can be understood as this life mm-hmm. source every oh. time you eat you are storing this energy source in your body in each and every cell you have to imagine you have this strength so if we were to kind of wrap up uh, our conversation today we spoke about pcos and kind of some of the misconception the myths uh, and then sp- spoke about the transition between stopping the pill and getting ready to to conceive we want to kind of revert back to you now what's next for you now what are you looking forward in in your practice there is not much planned but one thing i would say is for women self care is often underrated no matter what you do so our body reproductive system considers stress as the biggest enemy and self care is the only thing that we can use in this day and age to balance it out and try to remember that you are important person so if you are a better healthier version of yourself you have more energy to take care of everybody else so spreading the word about self care to women out there Right. Awesome. So for our listeners, how can they find you and where can they reach out to you if they're interested to know more about Ayurveda? My Instagram handle is at the rate Dr. Varlakshmi. So they can follow me. They can just DM me any questions. I do Instagram lives as well once a week on different topic, usually related to gut health, Ayurveda and women's health. Uh, and also loads and loads of information on my Instagram page. Um, uh, always here to help, even if you... don't want my consultation personally that's not the idea here idea is to empower and educate women of all ages that's the main goal and passion so yeah awesome. wow. love it that's love good. it thank yeah you. thank you so much yeah it's been really insightful to to speak to you and learn from you thank you thank so you. much guys for having me if you enjoyed this episode go ahead and select that follow or subscribe button for now stay safe and we'll see you next week Thank you.